everyone. Thanks for joining us on Asking for a Friend, a podcast for women created by New Hope Community Church. The phrase and hashtag, asking for a friend, is used in sarcasm after asking an embarrassing question, indicating that it's so awkward it must be asked under the guise of a helpful friend. This discussion group was born out of a desire to talk openly about things that are often considered taboo or stay hidden in general, but especially in the church. Statistics show that the issues we will cover affect women within the church as much as those who don't consider themselves churchgoers, so let's talk about them. The first and very simple purpose of this group is to let women know that they are not alone. Across social media and even in person, we always show the best of ourselves, leading us to believe that nobody else has the same struggles as we do. This is such a lonely feeling and only leads to discouragement. This is a lie that we hope to expose by the time our discussion is over. Also, studies show that one of the reasons current generations don't consider going to church is that the church is not open to messy discussions and believe that Christians think they have all the answers. The second purpose of this discussion group is to show that this group of women admits we don't have simple solutions to life's questions, and we recognize that we never arrive but will be working through these issues during our lifelong journey. The third purpose of this group is to give practical suggestions and spiritual counsel to others based on the experience of our guests and the resources we've put together. Specifically, we will recommend resources from Right Now Media, a video resource library called the Netflix of Bible Studies. For your free access, text right now space NHCCMN to 41411. As we listen to one another's stories and are bold in sharing our own, we can create a community where we are all fully known and fully loved. Because this is a safe space and the issues are sensitive, we will not be sharing the names of our guests. If you have questions about a particular guest or story, please contact us and we will connect you. Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining us tonight. I'm really excited to talk with you guys. We're in a Asking for a Friend series that we're doing covering different um, topics that we think are important that the church doesn't always talk about. So today's session, the title is called Our Refuge and Strength. The topic is on healing and prayer. The verse that we're basing this episode on is Psalm 46, 1 through 7. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and the foam of the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. She will help. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And um, some of the Right Now Media resources that I'm recommending is Beyond Suffering by Johnny Erickson Tata and Acts of God by Bob Russell. And then I think, oh, I said, where's God when it hurts? And prayer doesn't make any difference. And then we'll post some of the resources that the other ladies will mention uh, coming up during this group. So 
I'm just going to read this quick quote from Philip Yancey, who is an author that has really helped me in my own journey, you know, working through healing and prayer. And it just kind of talks about how I always air my conversations on the side of not being healed. But we have beautiful guests here tonight who have experienced healing. And so we're going to hear both of those sides. Um, So he says, I am left to struggle with the dilemma of prayer and physical healing. Many books and articles report physical healings and hold out extravagant hope. However, I mostly hear from earnest believers whose prayers go unanswered, and for this reason I present a perspective that may well seem unbalanced, focusing on those who do not readily find healing. Churches are more than willing to share testimonies of people who've been healed, but we don't often hear stories of people praying for healing and haven't yet received it in the way we want we are excited today to welcome guests who have experienced both. All right, and there's yours. So I think I'll just start really quick and say briefly my my story of um, when I started questioning healing and things like that, and then we'll kind of go around but have you know more discussion than an interview. Um, so my daughter Gracie, who is six years old now, you have her in in the kids program. Um, she So I was induced when I was about five days from my due date um, because of high blood pressure and, you know, uh, hypertension. And so uh, I went in, was induced, everything was fine. I mean, it hurt. <laughs> it was natural childbirth, but it, was, it went all according to plan. Um, five hours after she was born, I had a grand mal seizure, um, and that was unexpected and the doctors and nurses were like, oh, that's never happened before, you know, where preeclampsia turns into seizures. And I was like, you're welcome. <laughs> they were excited about it. And anyway, so I had the one, um, poor Brian had never held a baby before and was here with this little newborn and a wife, you know, in ICU and all of that. And they were like, woof, that was crazy, you know, that happened. And then four hours later, I had another one. Still totally unexpected, dislocated my shoulders and and stuff like that, Um, foaming at the mouth, rolled eyes, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and so they're like, wow, that was crazy. You know, that never happens. And I was like, okay, you're welcome. So nine weeks later, I had baby Gracie laying on the couch. I had another one. So, you know, poor Brian takes the baby, calls his mom. All that dislocated my shoulders. I remember waking up like in the on the stretcher and like the ambulance people taking me down my stairs like clomp clomp you know down the stairs um and then had a fourth one in the cat scan machine so had those four went on medication at one point went off medication fully believing that i was healed you know believe had another seizure (laughs) um and then it it developed into different types of seizures you know a lot of people think that's the only kind but there's many different kinds of seizures so Anyway, so went through the process. Haven't had even a small one in like three years, but you know, it's been a journey. So during that time, I was so interested in all the books and the studies and all that kind of stuff on prayer and healing. So, and I'll I'll kind of close the whole discussion off with my conclusion that I've come to after all of my study. Um, but we want to hear the stories too of the other ladies who are here. So I don't know. Do you want to listen? Does it matter? Doesn't matter. All right, take it away. Okay. Well, I um, 
When I was 30 years old, I, um, I was feeling very, very content in my faith. And all of a sudden, this neighbor lady called me and asked me, invited me to go to her church because there was a guest evangelist there that night, and she wanted me to hear her. And I was very reluctant because, um, because it, I was always told that we shouldn't get involved with other faith communities. And so I resisted going, but I did go, and I heard things there that night that I had never heard before like you need to be born again and it is by grace that you're saved and I had always trusted in my baptism I trusted in being a good person and obeying the Ten Commandments and so this was that was really frightening language for me to hear and so anyway I um, I then the evangelist had a or an invitation for people to come up and accept Jesus as their Savior. And I thought, no, I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm drawing the line here. So we left. And as we went home, driving home, I just started to cry and weep and weep and weep uncontrollably. And my friend said to me, are you and your husband having marital problems? You know? And I said, no, I don't know what is going on. I don't know why I feel like this. Yeah. But now I know that it was the Holy Spirit working in my life. And so when we got to my house, I invited her in and we sat on the Davenport and we read scripture and read scripture for hours until she finally said, Would you like to invite Jesus into your heart? And so I knelt down by the Davenport and, and uh, I asked him into my heart. And it was like a, just, a, just a love that I always had for my earthly father came over me and I knew that it was the heavenly father that was just washing over me and um, and uh, there's a newness newness there that I had never felt before so that was my first miracle where I was transformed from the transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and had a new new experience and new life with Christ and so that was that was pretty exciting about a year later, my mother um, asked me, invited me to go to a conference with her and her prayer group. And so I really wanted to go, and my husband really wanted me to go as well, but it would cost $200, and at that time we just didn't have that extra money. Mm -hmm. But he was so good at reconciling the checkbook every <laughs> single month, and he, he, would he would come down to the penny and he would have it balanced straight. But that month we had $200 extra that we had, he couldn't account for. Mm -hmm. And so we knew that God wanted me to be there and he, would, he made that way. And so and we went to the conference, and, or I went to the conference, and when I got there, we, um, it was, we, we, went on a, we went on a tour bus, and when we got there, we checked into the Holiday Inn, and we would... It was just a grueling, grueling um, schedule. We'd get on the, on the shuttle bus at 7 in the morning, get back about 11 o'clock at night. And um, this one night, I was just feeling so pain. I was having so much pain. Well, let me back up. I had, after my our first child, I lost baby. And uh, after that, I developed endometriosis. And the doctor, I was doctoring for quite some time, and he said, well, you know, 
this causes sterility in women and you may not ever be able to have another child. Well, that was a prayer that, I mean, my husband and I were both the youngest in our family. He had a sibling that was eight years older, and I had one that was six years older. And so even though there was five in his family and four in mine, it seemed like we were the only children, only child. So we always wanted a large family. Well, as it turned out, I did get pregnant, and, and I kept getting pregnant, and and by the time I was 30 years old, I had six children. And it was just, just a blessing. But the endometriosis then started coming back. And, and, and uh, I was going to have some procedures done for that. And, but I went to this conference. And at this conference, there was an invitation for, well, no, no there was just, it wasn't an invitation. But I was told, we were told that if you felt like God touched you and he healed you, you should never throw your medication away or get rid of it. You should wait and have it confirmed by your physician, which I did then because I went back to the motel that night and I was in so much pain that the prayer group, my mother's prayer group, said, would you like prayer? And even though I was really a relatively new Christian, I, I believed in prayer. And so they all laid their hands on me and um, just prayed for me. I went back to my hotel room and I opened up, randomly opened up the scriptures to 3 John 2. And it said, I pray that you may be prosper and be in good health, even as your soul is prospering. And to me, that was just confirmation that God had touched me and he confirmed it through his word. So when I got home, I went back to my gynecologist and told him he was going to do this procedure. And I told him I really felt I was healed. And so he examined me and discovered that, yes, there was no evidence of endometriosis. And so that, that was just a real, real blessing for, for me. And, and then we had another child after that. So we had our quiver was full of seven and then after that. And, but I haven't had any pain, any discomfort, any sign of endometriosis since. And so it, uh, it was... Uh, it's a blessing because I was able to really pray for a lot of women who have that disorder, that affliction, and um, and just uh, try to comfort them and strengthen them and encourage them mm -hmm. through what I had gone through. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah, and that's one of the one of the good things about the process is being able, being able to help others through something similar. So that's why we're here today, <laughs> trying to help others. Do you want to share mine? Sure. When I was still in high school, one of the verses that became my life verse was found in Psalm 138.8. And of course, at that time, that many years ago, it was the King James Version, which said, the Lord will perfect that which concerneth thee. Now, more easily understood is the New Living Translation, which says, the Lord will work out his plans for my life. For your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. And there have been many times through life when this verse has come back through a variety of ways where there was prayer for healing and healing didn't take place. There were unexpected circumstances. There were things that, um, circumstances that brought healing and, um, Two years ago, 
my husband was diagnosed with um, a lung cancer that did not have a cure. However, there was a mutation on the cancer gene that allowed a targeting medication, they called it, to try to take care of the protein that was part of the cancer cell. And so although it was not going to be a cure, it was just taking a pill a day which would target those particular cancer cells. Mm -hmm. And so we would go in monthly for checks, and we were praying and had people praying and praying around the world, actually, from friends, a big group around, many, many, and my daughter started a fan club for her dad so that people would be updated, Mm -hmm. and there was always the thought, knowing that God could heal, and we'd go in for a scan, and Don would say, you know, what I really like to hear is that there's no cancer anywhere. Now, that did not happen, but for two years, that targeting medication kept the cancer stable. Mm -hmm. And when we would talk with the doctor and he would say, you're stable, the scans show you're stable, that's what we want to hear. Mm -hmm. Well, this past spring then, it was no longer stable. Mm -hmm. And so my husband passed away in June. But the faith that he had and the faith that I had didn't waver in the fact that the prayer wasn't answered in the way that I would have maybe wanted it to Mm -hmm. be answered, but was answered in the way that God had in his plan Mm -hmm. for us and for my husband. Mm -hmm. And I have always said and experienced that God is the God of the details, minute details. And through many experiences in life, I could recount, sometimes after the fact, each detail that God was in. And even in my husband's last month on hospice and last week in a hospital bed at home and um, last day together with our family and my daughter being there, the details that God showed up in were amazing. And so even though that prayer for the healing of a body that would then continue to be sitting next to me in his chair and functioning with friends and family was not answered in that way, there was a healing that took place and a peace that I received that was, something that I could never have imagined Mm -hmm. that God provided. Mm -hmm. So healing can take place in in different ways. Mm -hmm. And just after my husband had passed away, I had ordered the book, What's So Amazing About Heaven, David David Jeremiah's book. And after reading that, I said to my daughter, I'm ready for heaven right now, too. She said, wait a minute, Mom. Not so fast. I'd like you around for a little longer. And, but there was just a comfort in that, in knowing that, um, as I read just tonight before we came, we were created for eternity. We weren't created for just living life here um, on this earth, in these earthly bodies. 
And so um, I never saw it as a lack of faith. I never saw it as a lack of, of prayer, not praying enough, not believing enough. But I did see it as God working through his plan, which might not have been mine, but was his plan in our family. Yeah. All right, Jane. Tell me your story. (laughs) Okay. Um, I guess for those of you that don't know the story of how I ended up in the wheelchair, um, my husband and I were volunteer English teachers in Bangkok, Thailand, and we were on a tour bus celebrating the end of the term, and we were coming down a mountain road, and you know it was the perfect storm. The driver had been corrected because he had made a wrong turn. He did not like that, so he was driving too fast. Old bus, brakes gave out. The one thing that happened right on his part was that he realized we were not going to make the next terrapin turn, and so he steered us into the mountain instead of allowing the bus to go over the cliff because... I firmly believe that there would have been 50 dead bodies if we had gone over the cliff. Mm -hmm. And as it was, I was the worst one hurt. I was sitting in the front passenger seat. Mm -hmm. I ended up laying on the dashboard, looking up at the trees on the mountainside. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I I have to read this because I wrote it down. Mm -hmm. I said... Miracle one was that he steered us into the mountain. Miracle two, nobody died. I was the worst one hurt. And miracle three, they were able to get me out safely and took me to a wonderful hospital that specialized in neuro and orthopedic surgery. Yeah. And, And it was two blocks from the school, two blocks the other direction from the apartment we were staying in. So Roger was able to stay in the apartment, Mm -hmm. continued teaching, so he had things to do. Staff from the school would come spend the night with me Mm -hmm. every night so that there was always a Thai speaker with me. And because the doctors spoke pretty good English, but the nurses did not. (laughs) Not at all. And so, um, yeah. Anyway, um, you know, you talk about people worldwide praying. And I did. I had people all over the world praying for me to get up and walk again. Well, obviously that didn't happen. And I've been okay with it. Roger has not. 
he really, he's, you know, that was kind of the start of a downhill spiral for him. Yeah. And so we'll like talk anger. about that later. Talks, yeah, we can yeah. start talking about anger. Okay, yeah, okay. Is that um, the main emotion? Yeah. yeah. For me, I haven't had the anger. And that's why I've been able to do the things that I can do. I've not been angry. Um, I see positive changes in myself. Um, If you ask my five kids and my former students, patience would not be a word that would come to their minds at all. And yet now... I have to be patient because I have to wait my turn (laughs) for whatever it is I'm doing. And um, so anyway, um, just those types of things, I'm I'm so much more aware of other people's feelings than I ever used to be. You know, I I always thought that the Marthas of the world got a bum rap Mm -hmm. because I was Martha number one. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, I said, this is God trying to make a Mary out of me. (laughs) It's not working real well. (laughs) But, um, But anyway, but... Roger has been angry, and now, okay, again, I have to read this. Let's see. Now that he has been diagnosed with the beginning stages of Parkinson's, I have become angry with God, because with all he's gone through, with his dad having Parkinson's, spending seven years in the nursing home, um, being my main caregiver for the last eight years, being guardian for his developmentally delayed brother, watching his mom deteriorate, going from having her own house into now a nursing home just one step at a time. Mm -hmm. And I feel like enough is enough. Mm -hmm. And he's had the tremors for a long time, and he's been checked every six months by a neurologist, Mm -hmm. and this is the first time that she's felt that it's crossed the line into actual Parkinson's. So he started right away on meds, which we're hoping will slow the progression. And um, delay a lot of that nursing home type cares because he has to be around for me, for one thing. But, um, you know, his dad, I feel, was in denial for a long time. 
and then had an old school country doctor that didn't think medication was really necessary. You're just shaky kind of thing. And it's like, you know. So I think he went untreated for far too long. So, and, you know, we're holding out hope for a cure or at least major breakthroughs in medication. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Who was it that you said was told it was something they did wrong? Oh, that was a former employer of Rogers. Yeah. Her husband had Parkinson's. And people, well, was the owner of the bookstore in Cambridge. And uh, way back, people would come back or come in and ask her what kind of secret sin she had in her life that her husband was afflicted with this. Yeah. So I think that's sometimes a a common response to suffering that people hear is, well, what do you need to repent from? Or is God punishing you? And, you know, I'll be talking about about the book of Job, but it's like it was made pretty clear in the book of Job that, you know, all of his friends who were saying, either curse God and die, or what have you done to deserve this, you know, makes it really clear those aren't the reasons. That's not the answer. And so I don't remember my bullet points were on there about about if God causes it or not. Um, yeah, so I mean if if God were the one saying you deserve to be punished, then why in the New Testament would he say to Paul my grace is sufficient for you. My my power is made perfect in weakness. And, you know, I will boast in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. Obviously, it's not God's will that he punishes somebody physically for sin in their life. Yeah, and so in the New Testament, we hear that. And then also in James, it says, consider it pure joy when you encounter all of these, you know, hardships. And so I feel like it's just clear in the Bible that that's the wrong way of thinking to believe that I or you or someone is being punished for what they've done. And I don't know, did you, have you guys heard things like that, comments in your own life? Maybe it's not as common as I think. <laughs> I don't know if I've heard them directly yeah. directed mm-hmm. in, in towards us or towards our family or towards my husband. Yeah. Um, but I've heard, you know, yeah. those kinds of things. Yeah. And one of the things that that I am so blessed by, even now, was the way Don handled the disease as he, yeah. as he was walking through it yeah. with a, a confidence in God's leading in his life, mm-hmm. a contentment mm-hmm. in, in what it in what was happening, um, willing to reach out, uh, lives that were touched yeah. in that process. I mean, every nurse not only heard his joke 
as he would come in, whatever that was for the day, but, but would hear about the people praying for us. And I remember his radiologist, oncologist, because there was metastasis that went to the brain, and so he had whole brain radiation treatment that was, came through the lung cancer. And we were talking about how many people were praying and I don't know the background of this doctor, but he said there was this study in, in England where a group of nuns who were caring for patients of similar illnesses, one group would be prayed for every day, and one group was not prayed for, and there was a definite difference in the, not necessarily the healing, but in the wellness of that group of people that were prayed for. Mm -hmm. And to hear a radiologist oncologist acknowledge the fact that prayer is important. And so would never want to say, you know, don't pray for someone who has an illness. Don't, um, you know, it's not going to matter anyway whether you pray or not. Um, There are a lot of prayers for peace, for comfort, for for individual needs at, yes. at the moment, yes. you know, wisdom in, in certain aspects yes. as there are steps that you go along the way with. Mm-hmm. And so never to, to minimize the prayer. Yeah. But if the healing doesn't come just the way we think it should, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that God hasn't been at work yeah. and God hasn't provided. Yeah. That's my thought. I know for a fact that prayer is a source of peace and and a real serenity in a person's life, especially if they're dying. The reason I say that is because I'm a hospice volunteer, Mm. and we don't talk about religion or faith with them unless they initiate it. But just today, one of our patients passed away, and she loved the Lord. She's dancing in heaven right now, but... um, she couldn't wait to see him, and, and she was so happy, and she's so accepting of whatever God had for her, you know, that she was willing to take up her cross. In fact, she didn't even want people to pray for her. She was just looking forward to going to heaven. And um, she wasn't an old lady either, and so um, prayer makes a difference, and prayer, prayer brings about a peace and an acceptance for God's will, because that's how they see it, for whatever reason. And we, our, our you know, our um, understanding is so minute compared to God. He sees the beginning from the end and everything in between. He's omnipotent and omniscient and omnipresent. And so it's very obvious that uh, he is in control when we understand that. Yeah. And... I think too. Can I see this? I see Jane Anderson is watching the live stream. <laughs> oh, <laughs> still watching? Yeah. Um, can I piggyback yes. off Marilyn? Um, my story of being 30 years old is very much like yours. I grew up in a mainstream church. I never not believed in God. Yeah. But this personal relationship business was like, whoa, that's different. That's a lot. And, uh, yeah. So I had a friend pray with me. She took me through the Nav Press, Romans Road. Yeah. Okay. And um, anyway, 
As a result of that, Romans 8.18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Okay, now, people hear me say that's my life verse, and they assume it's from now. No, that is from like 1981. Mm-hmm. It's got nothing to do with now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah. it's really prophetic, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. <laughs> Has it remained your life first? Oh, yeah. 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 Another thing I was thinking about is that even if I was healed and I was. Um, that doesn't mean I'm going to live forever. Yeah. I'm still going to die someday. And I always tell my kids about Ecclesiastes 12. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before all these other things happen. And it talks about how our eyesight is going to be deteriorating and our hearing is going to go in every part of our body. You know, So we are deteriorating as we age. And eventually we will hang up this tent and we'll get a new mansion. One of the things that this group tonight has spurred Roger into finally telling the kids about this diagnosis. He's been putting it off and putting it off and putting it off because he didn't know how. And I said, you know, especially for Judy up in Duluth, you better get something to her before. So he made a little video clip today. Oh, and how sweet. So, yeah. mm-hmm. as, um, as I said, you know, it could yeah. very well be that all of a sudden someone's going to say to her, oh, I'm so yes. sorry to hear about your dad. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. huh? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I'll just hop in for a minute. Um, for me, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that this is my belief and doesn't represent the beliefs of New Hope. I think because my beliefs on this could change. But when I think, for me, about why are some healed and some not healed, to me, the difference between me and a non-Christian is that I believe in Jesus, that he died for me and gave me a right relationship with God. To me, that's it. That's the benefit. That's Mm -hmm. the difference between the two of us. I don't feel like I deserve any special privilege or treatment or entitlement because I'm a child of God. And I know there are different, you know, we have the same power that raised Christ from the dead as in us, and you know, I know all of those things. But for me, when I, I mean, we live in a world that is fallen. We look at our bodies, I mean, think of all the systems that have to take place every second for us to be alive. It's really a miracle that we live to be whatever age we are. And, and I don't think I'm in denial or delusional, you know, like, and saying that, but for me, I when I pray for people, I do ask for healing. But more than that, I ask for the things that are eternal, the mm-hmm. spirit and the mind and the soul. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is something that I I believe God can change because it's not in the world. It's 
their their soul. And so I just think, you know, like entitlement. I I have not felt and somebody said, Did you say that even even though Lazarus <laughs> was raised to life, he still died? Right. Is that you? I think you said that. Yeah. I had heard that um, once before, <laughs> read that once before. And then just last night I was listening to a um, a video of a celebration service of a life that was important in our, uh, especially to my daughter as a mentor, as another mom to my daughter, someone that lived in California. And so I had heard the message when it was first given and I listened again and the pastor was talking about Lazarus and, and going through that and what he said in it was, yes, Lazarus was raised from the dead, but it wasn't so very long after that he did die again. And another statement um, more related to, to death than healing, but a statement that could come up with someone saying, well, it's too bad that, for instance, in my case, that your husband was taken from you. And what this pastor said was, God didn't take this person. God didn't take my husband. But God received him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and there's a difference in that mindset mm-hmm. about God taking someone mm-hmm. and stealing them away. Yeah. Where as God received them. <laughs> yeah. God received mm-hmm. him when it was that time. Yeah. And that was that was also these times. Well this quote was talking about, you know, we pray for for big healing, for big miracles, but we, you know, some television and radio preachers promise a healing available to all believers, but if that were true, need any Christian wear glasses, grow bald, <laughs> show signs of healing, you know, it's like we're all moving towards death and no amount of prayer can reverse the process, right. you know, so I don't know, I just feel like, why not me, you know, <laughs> and I love flying, and airplanes, I love it. And every time I do, I look out the window and you see the people get smaller and smaller, smaller and I see all of those people and then I think the whole world and then I think throughout all of time, all of history since the beginning of the world, all these people, why do I think that I shouldn't be affected by epilepsy or all these other, you know, infirmities? It's like, I, I don't ask. I, I didn't ask why me. Well, why not? You're you're my child, but you live in the fallen world, and Amen. so that has helped me to, um, yeah. I love being up there and just thinking, yeah, millions and millions and millions <laughs> and millions of people. I shouldn't expect to get out of the of my life unscathed by something, you know. So when I first when we first melded together as Elam and New Hope and I was working with the kids group uh, one Thanksgiving as we were teaching in Hope's Kids it had the verse from 1 Thessalonians 5.18 which says give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Mm -hmm. Jesus Mm -hmm. and part of the lesson that struck me that day was the fact that it didn't say give thanks for for all circumstances, but give thanks in all circumstances, and to find the the good 
that might be in there. Yeah. And I put that here too. The Bible does not say everything happens for a reason. And people say that, and that is not a Christian idea. <laughs> it doesn't say everything happens for a reason, but it says we know that all things work together for good. Yes. And it talks about that he will redeem all things unto himself. So to me, working things together for good and making things happen so good comes out of it is not the same thing. <laughs> me. And then I love this quote too um, from Philippians. He says, the concept of suffering that means more to me is that of redeemed pain. Redeemed pain can be more impressive than removed pain. We always want God to remove our pain, but it doesn't usually happen. Early on when I was obsessed with the question of God's involvement in all of this, uh, early on I was obsessed and all I concluded is that it's a dead-end question. We can't know the answer to that. The more and more I looked at the Bible, the more I realized the Bible doesn't answer the problem of pain, the question of pain. But it's a powerful story when we say how he has redeemed the pain more than if he just took it away. And so I think um, that's a good way, too, now to talk about how has God used your pain for good you know, in your own life or to minister to other people. You're going to say something about that. Yeah, I did, I did kind of say how I've been praying for people as women, especially, you know, it's obviously women that would have that. But um, I never know what the outcome is, the results are. I mean, that's God's, kind of his, his territory. Mm -hmm. But I believe that, I, I mentioned before, I really believe that there could be more more people could be healed if they'd ask, but I mean, even, I don't know that people even think that they want to bother God with some of their needs, just because they seem small, maybe, in their eyes, and, and that's, is that, I feel that's wrong, I think that we should ask, he said, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. And whatever the outcome is, you know, we say that will be done, Lord. You know, it's not like we would be angry or blame him because he's still God and he still has a final say. But um, I just really would encourage everyone to, to really seek God's face and, and just share your heart with him and tell him the things that you want and need and yeah. desire and I think that he he enjoys that type of fellowship. That's why he that we, that's why he may have his relationship with us, so that we can be communicating with him verbally and also listening to what he has to say. And, and the more that we talk to him, the more that we become like him. As far as, as, far as that goes, I had a friend one time that everybody got us mixed up, and they said we look so much alike and acted. But that's because we spend so much time with one another. And I feel that that's the same way it is with us and God. You know, the more time we spend with him, the more we become like him and act like him and think like him. So it's in those times that we are transformed and changed into this image of likeness. I'm just in the process of reading through a book, new book by Max Lucado on You're Never Alone which is a study basically in the book of John and some of the miracles in the book of John. And um, I was just reading just yesterday 
It simply falls to us to believe that Jesus is king in each and every situation. So make your specific request and trust him to do not what you want, but what is best. You know, there was a period of time, I think, in my life where it kind of floated through the fact that if you prayed, thy will be done, it was almost like a pop-up. So, thy will be done. Okay, it's okay if you heal, and it's okay if you don't heal, because now it's a pop-up. But the more that I've experienced in life, it's not that I see it as a pop-up. It is what would be best. And I don't know that. Yeah, that was a quote that I read about um, saying I will be done isn't a lack of faith, but a lack of knowledge. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. <laughs> not my will, but yours be done. That's what Jesus said. In what is best for us. I believe that our healing has already been secured in the cross because he said he was wounded for our transgressions, mm-hmm. bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement our pieces upon you, and by the strikes we are healed. But I don't think that that will, that all the healing is going to happen until we are face resurrection. We will all be healed with resurrection. And, um, but some are healed here, and why God chooses to do it that way, that's his, his business, and so I trust him. Just like Job said, don't be flaming. I'm sorry, I trust that. It's like closing argument. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have ways that you think God has redeemed this situation? Not yet. <laughs> For me, yes. Like I said, I, I see ways I've been changed for the better. And I see that I have, I have a lot more to say to people, I guess. Mm -hmm. My story has a lot more to say to people now than it used to. Mm -hmm. That's. That's the redeemed part that I would say is that, you know, you can be accepting Mm -hmm. of this type of situation. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, Mm -hmm. that you don't have to be angry about it. You don't, you know, it doesn't get you or anybody else anywhere to be angry. So that's... Yeah, some of these, you know, talking about, and we're coming up to an hour, which went fast, I think, but how the church can help. And you kind of mentioned, even prayer, if it's not healing like a miracle, studies show that people who are prayed for and have a church community live longer and get healthier faster Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. they have a sense of gratitude, a sense of calm, not fear, loneliness, hostility, worry, grief. Um, They have a community like a church, you know, to support. And even even non-Christian people recognize that your spirit and your attitude affects your body, body's healing. So, you know, talking about 
the role of the church in all of this. You know, I think, uh, I mean, like I said, just giving, giving support and, and all of that, but just making sure people know that we want to pray for them. Uh, we want to support them. They can feel free to talk about it. Like, I don't, I don't want this to be an unspoken issue. You know, it's hard. There's no easy answer. It's messy. But I think for churches to just put out there, hey, we don't know either. We don't know the answer, but it's okay to come and talk about something that's messy. Um, so I think that's important for individual Christians. But, you know, to not not say or believe that we have an easy answer to things. One of the questions you posed was uh, something that we found helpful or yes. encouraging mm -hmm. uh, that people have said or done. Yeah. And of course, at the period of time where the medication was no longer working mm -hmm. was when COVID restrictions were in, mm -hmm. and so the scanning was postponed. Now, I don't believe that if the scanning had been done sooner yeah. that it would have made a difference. Yeah. But there was a faithful friend that called every night to check up on us and to just see how I was doing and how Don was doing and encouragement through that whole time. Mm -hmm. And what, what an encouragement that is. Mm -hmm. And as I'm now prompted uh, by the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. if something comes to my mind, yeah. I'm more likely to step out and make the phone call, write a note, um, do something that would, would be of an encouragement to someone else yeah. because of knowing how much that meant mm -hmm. and has meant to me to have that kind of encouragement. Yeah, yeah. Jean, do you have anything that kind of helped you through more than others? Or, yeah, I guess two things that people said to you that were the most helpful. The answer could be no. <laughs> yeah, not not really. I guess you know. I think more things not to say. Yes, tell me like um, well, the idea of hidden sin. Yeah, but just the. People don't want to hear platitudes, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, um, oh, well, God's in control. Yes, I know God's in control, but let's get a little more specific about this rather than just saying, God has a plan for all this. Yeah. It's like, okay. <laughs> Do you want to let me in on that plan? Yeah. Since you seem to know it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's it's the walk walk me through something mm -hmm. or walk beside me. Yeah. Come Spend an afternoon with me. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. That type of thing. Give my husband a break for a few hours. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
you know, I think that that's, that's more... Meaningful. More meaningful, yeah. Rather than saying mm-hmm. something, do something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess would be where I'm at. Yeah. And I, you know, like you said, write a card. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything. Mm-hmm. Do something. Yeah. Don't just. Yeah. Don't just give me the, the words. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. We need to hear that. We do. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. It's it's like really I know he's got a plan. Mm-hmm. And I know he is in control. Mm-hmm. But knowing all of that I still have to pick up something from I the still floor. Have to, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that I can't reach. Exactly. No. I think you said two people sat with you, right? Or people made sure that you weren't alone. Or maybe it was just your kids. No? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're telling me about the neighbor boy, right? Who comes in? The neighbor, yeah. People just show up. Today he came and picked up the mail and brought it. I mean, I'm not that far from my mailbox, but brought it in and just stopped in when a 15 year old will come in and sit and visit and. Uh, and and mm-hmm. and do whatever yeah. whatever I have need for. Yeah. Uh, t- carry tubs downstairs that were fall. Bring tubs upstairs that are Christmas yeah. related. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Just Meet just that. Yeah. It's neat. Mm-hmm. Right. It's been neat. Um, I'm ready to talk about Joe. The end of Joe. Does anybody else have closing statements? <laughs> All right, so after all of my searching and questioning and reading and, you know, all that kind of stuff, I feel like parts of the Bible where God speaks, you know, like, I believe that there were people who heard the voice of God and wrote the word, things like that, but when God speaks to somebody, I pay attention. And so, you know, Joe asked God all of these questions about the situation. You know, why is this happening? All that kind of stuff. And Job 38, 2, says, Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man, and I will question you, and you shall answer me. (laughs) And all of this, God never answered any of his questions. God didn't give Job any answers about why he was in this situation. And then um, Job 40, starting in verse 1, The Lord said to Job, Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who accuses God answer him. And then this is probably my favorite part in the Bible besides the resurrection of Jesus. Easter is better than Christmas, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um Job says, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, but I will say no more. And then even one farther in Job 42, it says, Job replied to the Lord. I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? 
Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen, and I will speak. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Job says, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. And saying that you despise yourself and you repent seems kind of like, whoa, why would you do that? But to me, in my life, repenting is from asking all the questions. I think the repenting is when he sees God and God says, you have to trust me, you just don't get it. You know, it's like, he puts his hand over his mouth, you know, and he says, I'm sorry, you were right. I questioned you, but I won't do it again. And so I think for me, I have to repent from being unsatisfied when the answers aren't there. And so my conclusion at the end of all of my reading is always, I don't know, but I trust him. I don't get it. I don't know what's happening, but that's okay because I know who God is. I believe that he is good, and I do believe he has a plan, and I just don't see it. So that's my favorite, my whole favorite part of the Bible when, when, when Job responds to God. Like, I'm really sorry. I didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> I trust you. So um, that's my my conclusion. But um, I think there's a lot more to be said. You know, I put these miscellaneous questions, but, you know, there's so much we can talk about and go on and on. But um, if you guys don't have anything else to say, oh, jeez, we didn't talk about our mugs, but I think the time has passed. So. <laughs> um, all right, so I'm going to say just a couple things and then we'll pray. Um, I want to let you guys know that if you have questions about healing and prayer, you can always contact us and ask to meet with a pastor. Um, they don't have the answers that we don't have. They don't have special insight, I don't think. Um, but they've gone to seminary and they know they do know things that we They have more letters behind them. Yeah, yeah. PhD, MA, yeah. Uh, but the pastors would be happy to meet with you and talk to you. I want to mention, too, about spiritual friendships, and I talked about this with the, the past two discussions that we had, but a spiritual friendship is a one-on-one relationship, and you are connected with somebody, and you go out once a week or every other week and work through a workbook called Project 52, and it just walks through one story of the Bible each week. Um, but I think that's really important when you're in a tough situation and you're questioning and, and angry. Um, to have somebody, you know, like the endometriosis one, yeah, said thank you for talking about that. She's still praying about that. Um, but to have somebody who's been there. And we try really hard to match up people where it makes sense. You know, we don't want to just be like, oh, you're available, you're available, cool. Um, you know, really try to connect people who who can minister to each other. Um, and then, yeah, small groups. But I really want to emphasize the spiritual friendships. So let's close in prayer. And right, go. <laughs> Father God, we thank you so much for our time together. We know that where two or more are gathered, you're in their midst. And so we thank you so much for your, your Holy Spirit that was here among us tonight. And even, uh, I believe, people felt it through the screen. We just thank you for your presence, for being here with us. Uh, I just pray that you would remind all of us as we go about our week that we are cherished, that we are loved, that we are created by you. And that even when we have questions and 
we're angry and we don't understand, God, I pray that you would show us uh, the ways that we can trust you and just show, show us why you are trustworthy. And so we just pray that you would um, make yourself known to everybody who's, who's listening. And we just thank you so much and give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.